Today I want to speak on the topic, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. And at the end of this message, we're going to be praying for believers to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. And so if you've not yet received the mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit, what better day to experience it than on Pentecost Sunday? And let me tell you that we believe that Pentecost Sunday is every Sunday. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. The week after that is Pentecost Sunday. The week after that is Pentecost Sunday. And the week after that is Pentecost. You, every Sunday you ought to come in expecting God to move by the power of Give God a shout of praise in this place this morning. Hallelujah. Let the fire fall. Hallelujah. Years ago there was a story told of something that happened in Yosemite National Park, they had a spectacle called the Firefall. And they would gather all of the trees that had fallen throughout the year, and they would, they would pile them up on a granite mountain in Yosemite National Park, and it would be this massive stack of wood that had been gathered from all over the forest, and they would pour gas and kerosene on those trees. And they would wait until the sun went down and they would light the massive, huge bonfire on the cliff of this mountain. And they had these bulldozers that were ready to push the massive burning trees off of the side of that granite mountain. And they would come flying down like a cascade of fire and waterfalls of fire is what they said it would look like. But just before they would do that, all of the people that were gathered in a safe location to watch the fire fall would cry out with a loud voice, and this was the tradition, let the fire fall. Hallelujah. Let the fire fall. And when they would say that, the bulldozers would push the burning trees off, and the fire would fall, and they would have a big celebration. And there was a man who was there who came back some years later, and he came at the same time expecting to see the fire fall. And he asked the ranger, when is the fire fall? You know what the ranger said? He said, I'm sorry, sir. We don't have the fire fall here anymore. We don't have it here anymore. You could say it like this. The fire doesn't fall here anymore. You know, the same thing could be said of so many churches and so many places and so many believers. No longer is there a bright burning bonfire of praise and glory and worship in many places. And the joy in the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now it's just a flickering ember of a once red hot fire. Gone is the praise. Gone is the glory. Gone is the enthusiasm and excitement of serving the Lord. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 8. It says that the five virgins that ran out of oil in the story of the bridegroom coming, that they didn't have oil in their, their lamps. And the Bible says that they said, and quote, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. One translation says, give us your oil for our flame is dying. Dying flames. Flames that were once ignited by the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost today no longer burn brightly for God. Their countenance does not shine. Their spirit in their light does not shine in a dark world. We need a fire fall in our midst. We need the fire of God to fall on us again. Give God a shout of praise for that this morning. 
What is the fire of God? Number one, it is the symbol of deity. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29 says that our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that when Moses was in the desert, not only was he in the desert, but he was on the backside of the backside of the desert. Have any of you ever found yourself not only in a desert place, but you found yourself on the backside of the desert place? A place of thirstiness where you felt dried up on the inside. Moses did not receive a call from God on, on top of a mountaintop in a hammock drinking iced uh, lemonade with a little bit of honey in it on a cool breezy day. No, he was on the backside of a desert when he received a call from God. And the Bible says that when Moses was on the backside of the desert, he came across a burning bush. And what caught his attention about this burning bush was that it was burning and burning and burning, but that fire was not consuming that bush. And later on, Moses described God as an all-consuming fire. I believe that Moses experienced a revelation from God when he got closer and closer to that burning bush. He realized that that fire was not there to consume an inanimate object, but it was there to consume a man, and that man was Moses and from that day forward Moses would never be the same it would change the way he walked it would change the way he talked it would change the way he preached I want you to know that when you come in contact with the glory and the fire and the power of God you will not be the same but you will be changed in Jesus name it will change the way you walk it will change the way you talk it will change the way you preach it will change the way you worship it will change everything about you and we need an encounter with the power of God. Let the fire fall. Hallelujah. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Hallelujah. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 2 said that God is like a refiner's fire. Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 4 says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of burning. Isn't that something? He's a spirit of burning. Uh, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11 says that he, speaking of Jesus, shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and in what? In fire. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water, but there is one who is coming who is mightier than I, whose two, his shoes I'm not even worthy to untie, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Hallelujah. So fire is a, a symbol of deity. Number two, fire, secondly, is a symbol of acceptance and approval by God. The symbol of acceptance and approval by God, when they offered an offering unto the Lord, the way that they knew that the Lord had approved and accepted that sacrifice, is that fire in the Old Testament would fall from heaven and consume that sacrifice. Hallelujah. Leviticus chapter 9 verse 22 says that a fire went out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the sacrifice and that people shouted and fell on their faces. Hallelujah. It was the approval and acceptance of God upon their sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham, he split five animals and he lay half on one side and half on the other and he offered it as a sacrifice to God. And the Bible says that there came a flickering fire and that God descended in the form of a flame of fire. God was saying, I approve of this sacrifice. Hallelujah. When the father of Samson in Judges chapter 13 and verse 19, when he offered God a sacrifice, the Bible said that fire shot out of a rock and the scripture said that in 
an angel came down in the fire and that the angel of the Lord worked wondrously. Hallelujah. And when our life gets to the place where he can approve us, he accepts, accepts us not only because of the inward work, but because we have been so transformed that it begins to manifest outwardly. And God sees our whole life as a sacrifice. And the fire of God will consume that sacrificial life that we live. Number three, the fire is a symbol of God's presence. It was a symbol of God's presence wherever God was there was a demonstration of fire. Hallelujah. Zechariah chapter 2, God said, I will be unto Jerusalem a wall of fire round about in the glory of the Lord in the midst of her. Hallelujah. When the children of Israel walked through the wilderness, the Bible says that God led them by what? By a pillar of fire. Hallelujah. That fire it had a guiding effect. That fire had an illuminating effect. That fire had an energizing effect upon God's people. It's a sign of God's presence. Hallelujah. You know, I love what Charles Spurgeon once said. He said it perfectly. He said, put the fire in the sermon or put the sermon in the fire. I said, put the fire in the sermon or put the sermon in the fire. I'll say it one more time. Put the fire in the sermon or put the sermon in the fire. If you ain't got the fire of the Holy Ghost, if you ain't got the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if you don't got the power of the Spirit of God upon that sermon, you might as well just throw it in the fire. Put the fire in the sermon. Hallelujah. When you put the fire in the sermon, sinners will be saved. When you put the fire in the sermon, believers will be filled with the Holy Ghost. When you put the fire in the sermon, addicts will be delivered by the power of God. Put the fire in the sermon or put the sermon in the fire. We need the fire of God. Lord, let the fire fall on us today. Hallelujah. Programs have replaced passion and power. It's time for the fire to fall. When worship becomes highly mechanical, it's time for the fire to fall. When we are bathed in immorality and our heart is no longer convicted, it is time for the fire to fall. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says to stir up the gift which is in you. One translation says to rekindle the fire that is within you. In other words, fan the flame. In other words, keep it going. You see, fire comes from the Lord, but we have to keep it burning. God will send the fire, but you have to put wood on the fire. Proverbs chapter, you want a scripture? Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20 says where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So profound, huh? Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And so if you don't put wood on the fire, it's just a matter of time before all you have is ashes. And some of you have ashes where there used to be fire because you're not putting wood on the fire. The Bible reading is the wood on the fire. Prayer is the wood on the fire. Praise is the wood on the fire. Living holy and forgiving your enemies is wood on the fire. Resisting temptation when nobody's looking is wood on the fire take a praise break this morning and say let the fire fall on my my soul again holy spirit hallelujah keep the firebox full of wood clean out the firebox you can't neglect it first thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19 says quench not the spirit 
Don't put fake logs in there. We need the real thing in this hour. Uh, we don't need to be a fake Christian that acts like we've got real fire, but we don't have it. Oh, God, help me not to distinguish the Spirit's fire in my life. Do not subdue the Spirit's fire. Hallelujah. How many of you would like to have a brand new touch of fire? That's what we need. A fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. It'll heal our families. It'll burn out addictions and ha habits and give deliverance. There's something about the fire of God that changes lives. Jeremiah said, I've got the word in me. And it's like a fire that is shut up in my bones. When you've got the word of God, it's going to be like a fire in your innermost being. Like a fire shut up in your bones. Like a fire that you cannot contain. But it's going to burst out of you and ignite the hearts around you. Lord, let the fire fall on me today. Let the fire fall on my life. Let the fire fall on this church. Let the fire fall on our families. God, let the fire fall. Hallelujah. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 14. God said, I will make my words in your mouth a fire. Hallelujah. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they had holy heartburn when they talked to Jesus. Uh, they, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke the words of life? Uh, did not our hearts burn? Are your hearts burning with the fire of the Holy Ghost this morning? Are your hearts burning with conviction? Are your hearts burning with power? Did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke the words of life? You see, we got a lot of hot heads, but we need some hot hearts. Let me say that again. We got a lot of hot heads, but we need some hot hearts in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. The Bible said that David had a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Have I become too calloused? Have I been in this thing for too long? Has it become too commonplace that God can't touch my heart anymore? That God can't move me anymore? That God can't change and transform me anymore? Isaiah got a touch of fire when the angel flew and took a hot coal off the altar of heaven in Isaiah chapter 6. And he touched his lips and he had blazing lips and he said, here I am, send me. Hallelujah. Here I am, send me. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, God gives you a burden to go into the highways and the byways to reach those that are lost without him. Yeah. Here I am, Lord, send me. Yeah. If you want to send me to Columbia, God, send me. If you want to send me to Africa, send me. If you want to send me to Europe, Lord, send me. And send me with the power of the Holy Ghost. Take the coal off the altar that my lips would burn with the word of God. Hallelujah. You see, conviction comes when a manifestation of God's holy fire begins to fall in a church and in a ministry. Uh, how many of you remember when you were first convicted? Do you ever get convicted of sin? You know, I'm afraid that in so many churches we are trying to be so much, we're trying so hard to make the world comfortable that if we're not careful, then we can forget that we can't change anybody by just being their buddy. Uh, salvation is a supernatural thing, and you must be born again. And it takes the Holy Spirit taking a rotten sinner and washing him in the blood, and cleansing him, and transforming him, and giving him a brand new life. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What 
can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God doing his work hallelujah we are people of the fire hallelujah stir up the gift fan the flame Awaken your hearts, fall on your faces, cry out to God and ask him for the fire to fall in your life. Hallelujah. Ask him for the fire, Lord, send your fire down in my life. God rekindled the fire within me. Are your hearts burning this morning? Have you become cold and calloused and maybe you think I grew up in church my whole life and I experienced God move 30 years ago back in my glory days, but now I'm just in cruise control. No, God says, I want you, I want to give you fresh fire today. I want to give you a fresh, you can't live off of yesterday's fire. You can't live off of yesterday's oil. You can't live off of yesterday. You need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost today. You need fresh fire in your life today. Hallelujah. You know, I think that when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that are lacking is teaching on the purpose and the benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second work of grace, which means that it happens sometime after salvation. Sometimes it's immediately after you get saved. Sometimes it's years later, and it has nothing to do with your salvation. It's whenever God equips you with the power of the Spirit of God to make you a more effective witness for Him. And there are many people who do not know the purpose of it. They do not know the benefits of it, and so they say, why do I need it? I'm already saved. I'm already serving the Lord. My life is right with God why do I need that power why do I need to speak in tongues and so on and so forth you know I I remember about 13 years ago I was at a youth camp down in Missouri and I was hungry for more of God I was hungry for the presence of God I remember going to a youth camp and they gave an invitation for people to come forward and receive the power of the Holy Spirit but there's no preaching on it there's no exhortation on it there's no explaining and I had no idea what I was going up there for went up there there's probably several hundred people there few of us went up and we prayed and nothing happened I didn't hear a single person speaking in tongues I didn't understand but I said Lord I want to experience your presence I want to experience your power I want to experience it in a greater way about 13 years ago I was down in Baton Rouge Louisiana Planned to be there for five days, was visiting some family there. And when I got down there, people began to ask me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They said, have you ever spoken with tongues with, uh, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance? I said, no, but if it's from God, I want it. I want everything that God has for me. And they began to show me scriptures. And I said, you know what? I believe it. And I'm asking God to fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget that night we were up on the 11th floor of the apartments across from the church and we had maybe 10, 15 people. We were just praying and somebody came up the elevator and they said these words. They said, you need to get down to the eighth floor. The spirit of God is moving. I didn't know what that meant. You don't hear that in Baptist churches like the ones I grew up in, but they said, you you need to get down to the eighth floor. The spirit of God is moving. I didn't know what to do, but we packed that elevator. We went down 10, 9, 8. Elevator doors opened up. And when I stepped out, I saw something I'd never seen before 
my life. I saw young people, college students, adults flooded the whole hallway, up and down the hallway, hands lifted to God, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. I didn't know what to do, but I just lifted my hands. I prayed in English. I said, God, I'm asking you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And several people came up, laid hands on me. They said, Lord, fill them with the power of the Spirit of God. Fill them with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And at that moment, I went through to the infilling of the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And we were worshiping and praying till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, just crying out to God. It was like a river that was flowing from my innermost being. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you are fully immersed in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And my whole life began to change. When I experienced that power, I began to feel an unction to preach, unction to minister, and a desire to do the work of God. It was like a fire that was burning within me. The Bible asked the question in the book of Acts, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Which tells us that it happens after salvation. Some think that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit the same time you get saved or the same time you're water baptized. It's not the case. You can take a look at it, but in Acts chapter 8, it's a perfect example. Because the Bible said that Paul was preaching to those who were in Samaria in Acts chapter 8, that he was preaching Jesus to them. And the Bible said that they received the word of God. The people were delivered. Demoniacs were set free. Those are all results of people getting saved. And then the Bible said that when Peter and John had heard that those in Samaria had received the word of God, that they went to lay hands on them to pray for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. It said that they were water baptized. So again, tells us that they were saved, but that the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. And the Bible said that Peter and John laid hands on them and that the Holy Ghost fell on them, that the fire of God, that we're talking about here today, that the fire of God fell upon them and they received the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So what is the purpose in speaking in tongues? This is something a lot of people don't talk about and some churches won't preach on it because people who don't understand it, it might make them feel uncomfortable. But the Bible says that tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. I'm not ashamed to be filled in the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed to speak in tongues. I know some churches say, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we got a separate room for you over there. We got, I've been in those church services before. I've seen it with my own eyes. They said, just go through those doors right there, those double doors. And we got people there. They're going to lay hands on you. They're going to pray. No, you ought to let God move right in the midst of his people people because maybe it will stir up some more hearts. Maybe the fire of God will fall on some Baptists and some Episcopalians and some Presbyterians and those who don't know what they are but are just hungry for God. Let the fire of God fall. Hallelujah. There's two purposes in speaking in tongues. Number one, it's a prayer language. Paul said that when he spoke in tongues, he spoke not unto men, but unto God, that he spoke mysteries unto God, which means that when you speak in tongues, tongues, it's a language that has never been learned by the speaker, but it's a language that's inspired by the spirit of God. And because it's inspired by the spirit of God, you're praying perfectly according to the will of God. You might not know what you're praying for. 
But as you begin to pray in that unknown language, the Spirit of God who searches deep within our hearts, He takes your requests and brings them before the Father. You might just be saying, Hey, Lord, Abakate, and the Spirit of God is taking that request to the Father and saying, He needs a bill to be paid. She needs healing in her body. They've got a wayward son lost without God, and they need the convicting power of the Holy Ghost to fall on them. Hallelujah. So it's for our personal edification. Now, there's one particular preacher. I will not mention his name. He's from the state of California, and he preaches against speaking in tongues with everything within him, and I feel bad for the guy. But I I was reading because I like to hear what people have to say. And he was saying that when Paul said that when he spoke in tongues, they edified himself, that he was saying that it built up his ego, that it was in a negative connotation. No, the devil's a liar. When you speak in tongues, you are edifying your spirit. Uh, The Bible says in the book of Jude that when you pray in the Holy Ghost, that it builds up your faith and it keeps you in the love of God. How many of you need edification? We all need to be built up. Jesus said, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to send another speaking of the spirit of God and he shall comfort you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to edify you. Hallelujah. There's many misconceptions that people have about speaking in tongues. And the second purpose in speaking in tongues is for the edification of a body of believers. And that's when it's followed with an interpretation. If somebody's just praying in tongues, you don't need an interpretation because it's not for the people. It's for that person. But when it's in a corporate setting, the gift of tongues that Paul talked about in the book of 1 Corinthians is for the edification of the body. And that is followed with an interpretation. So some people will say, well, the Bible says that not all speak with tongues. And so they use that as an excuse to not seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Well, I believe that not all are used in the gift of tongues for the edification of the body, but I believe that it is God's will for every born-again believer to receive the mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit, and we believe that the initial physical evidence that one has been baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you will speak in unknown tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. There's no question about it. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they were all in one place, in one accord, 120 people there on the day of Pentecost. They're all in one place in one accord and suddenly, meaning unexpectedly, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and cloven tongues of what? Cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them and they were all, that word all means every single one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Hallelujah. All 120 of them baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter was Pentecostal. Mary, she was Pentecostal too. She was there on the day of Pentecost. Some message for the Catholics out there. If Mary was Catholic, I'm sorry, if Mary, Mary wasn't Catholic. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. If Mary was Pentecostal, you should be Pentecostal too. <clears throat> If Peter was Pentecostal, you should be Pentecostal too. They say, well, Jesus didn't speak in tongues. Okay. Well, are you Jesus? Mic drop. No, that's, that means you need the power of God. That means you need the fire of the Holy. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit without measure, and he was a perfect son of God, how much more do you and I, living in this sin-sick world, need the power of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. 
Others say, well, if God wants me to speak in tongues, he would have made me. No. We must ask him for the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a, is a dove. He's a gentleman. He will not override your free will. You have to make the decision to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Other people say that tongues are for evangelism in the book of Acts. That's not true. Other people say that tongues are no longer for today. But Peter said that this promise is for you and for your children and their children and for as many as the Lord our God shall call. And if you're called today, it is God's will for you to receive the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. Can you give God a hand clap of praise? You know, the Greeks, they had a famous race called the torch race. And it's where they got this, where we got the ceremony for the worldwide Olympics. And they have a torch. And in the torch race in, in, in Greece, all the runners would start on the running line. And they were given a torch that was lit. And it had a, a burning fire that was within it. And the person that took off and crossed the finish line did not necessarily win the torch race. The only way to win the race was that you had to cross the finish line with your torch still lit. And I don't know about you, but I have made up in my mind that I'm going to finish the race with my torch still burning. God, don't let the fire go out. I want my lamp to be still filled with fire. God, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Hallelujah. Singers and musicians can come back here this morning. Let the fire fall. Is that your prayer, Lord, let the fire fall. Lord, let your fire burn within me. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit. I'd like for everyone to be standing in this place here this morning. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You simply receive it by faith. Everything we receive from God comes simply by faith. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace, meaning that there's nothing that we can do to work for it. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. It was paid for at the cross 2,000 years ago, and you just simply receive it by faith. Well, what qualifies a person to receive the Holy Spirit? There's only one requirement to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not to be a part of a church. It's not to be a part of a denomination. It's to be saved. It's to be born again. The moment your sins are washed away, you become a candidate to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. All you've got to do is simply believe. Is tongues a requirement to be saved? Absolutely not. The only requirement to be saved is to accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. But tongues is a gift from the Spirit of God. It's a prayer life from the Spirit of God to empower you, to strengthen you, to lift up your heart. We believe that we ought to seek God for the power and that the tongues come with the power. When you go into a store and you buy a pair of shoes, and we got a lot of shoe fanatics in this church, but when you go into a store and you buy a pair of shoes, you don't go around looking for the shoes with the best tongues. And say, I like those tongues. I'm a, no, you don't get them for the tongues. The tongues just come with the shoes. Amen. We don't seek God for tongues. We seek God for the power of the Holy Ghost. And when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you will receive that prayer language. And you will be able to pray in unknown tongues. Hallelujah. 
Joel said in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. 